Definitely Baby acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands on which we record today, the Kambua people and the Wurundjeri Willem and Boonarong peoples of the Kulin Nation. This always was and always will be First Nations land. Hello everyone, welcome to part two of Taylor's story. Now if you haven't listened to yesterday's episode in which she shared her birth experiences with her kids, I would recommend you go and listen to those first because they provide some great context for this episode, such as we discuss a pretty awful experience that she had with a GP who wouldn't support her following her free birth and some commentary she was receiving around that decision to have a free birth. We also speak about her identity changes, her relationship changes since becoming a parent, um, some challenges that she's experienced that have really impacted her, as well as how she has found the transition to two kids much harder than the first one in which she slipped straight into it. Let's get into the chat now. Hope you enjoy it. And yeah, you were speaking earlier about issues that you had with that GP when you did try and go and get her registered. Tell us about that. Okay, so um, if you go on the birth, death and marriages website in Victoria, it's got like um, how to register a baby in the system, how to register a baby if you give birth out of the system at home without a medical care provider. It's got like a list of things to do. It's not like illegal. totally safe obviously um we rocked up to the gp one week after she was born because i wanted that time to be at home but in in retrospect i didn't actually need to do it one week after she was born i could have waited ages but i don't know i also like those heaps of people saying to me like oh you should go to the doctor and just get her checked out in case like you know she's just been born no one's looked at her i didn't feel any worries about that but then i was like oh Maybe I I am a bad mum for not actually taking her to anyone. All this stuff playing out in my head. So I took her to this oh. stupid GP. Oh, he was fine <laughs> up until this um this day. And, really. And you couldn't. I when I was pregnant, I didn't want to get the COVID vaccination. So Cam was vaccinated for work, and I didn't get it. And so because of that. We had to stand in the doctor's garage and it was like 42 degrees in Melbourne. Like, you know, when there's those random hot days in summer. And I was there so fragile with my new baby. She was sleeping perfectly and she was perfect. Um, Standing in this garage in this hot day and he like comes out in like a hazmat suit and was like, oh, what can I do for you? And I was like, I just need you to like, I just I told him the situation I birthed at home um I need to get her registered and looked at I guess and this is like what the guidelines on the um birth and marriages say and he like he barely even listened to what I was saying he was just like so angry he was like you are so dangerous and <gasps> then he what? was like um I can't believe you would put your own baby in such danger and just like all this stuff and Cam and I were like oh like so shocked and I didn't know what to say I was just so um 
scared and and then he was like I don't want anything to do with this and then like he didn't even look at her or anything wow and then so we left and I just cried on my way home because obviously I'm one week postpartum postpartum with like a little baby and like had to leave my house to go there and just like everything about that situation was horrible and then I was like I actually don't know what to do (laughs) because he was the only person who could who is meant to do anything so it was like back and forth between his doctor's surgery and myself for like months and months I think she was finally registered at like four months um and pretty much what I had to do to get him to like sign off on it and I ended up taking her to the maternal health care midwife who was so much nicer and like knew more about babies than he did anyway she was so sweet she was an angel um I just had to be like birth death and marriages was like you need to get him to write us a letter saying that he's not doing this for some reason and when I asked him to do that it was like something about not um not providing care when it's needed like it's that's his I don't know what the words are but like that's his job that's what he needs to do and because he wasn't doing that he had to like <laughs> write it out in a letter and send it to justice and I just and once um he got that email from me like sending that email he was like okay I'll do it and I was like oh my god it was terrible honestly the worst experience ever Worst, oh worst thing about the whole pregnancy, birth, and everything. And so, if I have another baby and free birth again, I absolutely have a way better system than I will do. Yeah, that was pretty shocking. shocking. That's so awful. I'm so sorry. That's yeah. the last thing that you need yeah. <laughs> when you're so newly postpartum and you know every everybody's entitled to their own opinion about birth choices and vaccination choices and everything like that but to speak with such aggression to a new family with a new baby and not care for them just seems awful I'm so sorry you experienced that yeah I still want to write him an email, but it's been so long. Um, but that would probably be like, you know, a little bit of closure or something for me. Just like sending him. He was like, he was even saying like home birth, home birth with a midwife was dangerous. And I was like, maybe I'll send him like all the statistics about everything. And like, you know. So he... He didn't say that in the beginning when you went to him no. and you told him you were going to have a free birth. No, I didn't tell him I was going to have a free birth. Okay. Thank goodness. And when we went back to him, I explained, like, I came to you when I was pregnant and, like, because of that you need to do this. And then he was like, if you had have told me these were your plans, I would have said absolutely do not do that. And I was like, yeah, that's probably why I just, like, I didn't tell you that. That was my um, intention. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, wow. And very easy. I was just going to ask if, you know, since Astrid's been born, if you've experienced any other commentary or feedback around your decision. 
No, there's some people who just like who a lot of people are really curious about it because they've never ever heard of it before, which I love. I love that curiosity. And I even love like when people have really like innocent questions about like what happens if something happens. Like just I love that because you can open up the conversation, you know, it's like changing changing the culture around birth because um when you think about birth and there's so many people with their stories who have experienced like really intense trauma it's like it's like a whole like emotional landscape that you have to unpack like when did I first hear about birth was it when I was like you know seven and my little brother was born and my mom had a really traumatic experience birthing was that my first you know um was that my first experience of hearing birth is it when you watch a movie and all of the movies are like you know male doctor like at a woman she's on the mm-hmm. bed in like a gown and the light pushing on her back yeah you know <laughs> is that our first mm-hmm. experience or only experience of knowing and learning about birth and it's our culture yeah it's not very supportive of physiological birth or talking about the the way birth can be really positive um so and also so many things I think like the social psychosocial aspect of um when you come into a an experience of maybe um confrontation or you know a hard experience and your archetypes like if your Carl Jung um archetypes come they hold your hand you know in those experiences and so like if you're if you go to a hospital and um there's a, a medical care provider who we think knows everything because they've studied and like that's their job but they tell us something and it doesn't actually sit right within us but we can sent to whatever they're saying because we think they know better than us and it's like how did maybe um our conditioning from when we were younger actually influence that like you know when you go to school and you need to go to the toilet and the teacher's like no you can't go to the toilet until lunchtime so they're denying our like physiological biological need to weed because there's like you know a time frame that we have to and they're the boss and they're the teacher so they know everything and so like how do those little things that we experience in our life play out when we're in such a fragile and like vulnerable experience you know um all that I find super interesting so but I also like see it from both sides like I I think about that when I'm thinking and experiencing things and then I think about that when I interact with another person who maybe is questioning the decision and I think like well it's not really your fault for thinking it's absolutely totally the worst possible thing you can do and super dangerous because I know that you've probably had all these like conditionings and blueprints you know throughout your life 
what it's like. Yeah. I struggle with like how to nicely like sometimes if I don't know how to like maybe nicely communicate with someone I'll just like not say anything at all but I'd love to like you know find a way to bridge the confrontation where we can like have the conversation about it yeah yeah because so many things about birth and you know medical systems can be such controversial topics yeah so I imagine that that's hard to find that bridge yeah and then there's like a part of me where I want to like scream it out from the rooftop like it can be amazing and maybe well I know the fact the hospital policy isn't always evidence-based um you know based off research and then I don't want to be like preaching something because I know everyone can make up their own decisions and maybe their own experiences are for themselves and you can't like tell anyone to do anything <laughs> but it can be so beautiful I'm actually so excited to give birth again do you think that you you will have another bub? Yeah, not for like at least five years. So that um that uh transition from one to two kids like that was the most hectic, intense thing oh, yeah, I've ever okay. ever ever experienced, and like that was also a huge catalyst. So I see the importance in the medicine and something so like dark but like it was pretty fucking shit yeah okay mm. could you tell us more about that so the age gap between the kids is quite small like 18 months because he was still breastfeeding a new baby comes along I had spoken to him you know when I was pregnant and everything but 18 months old he's not a big kid he's still a baby and so it was pretty difficult holding space for both of them and she has these needs that are like so high because she's a newborn baby but Cosmo's emotional needs were like huge at that point in his like you know at that age so that was really difficult like when Cam was working so long like every, like 12 hour days and it was me at home by myself with the two kids and there's like two kids constantly crying and I was like I can't do this and we're so supported in so many ways for like ages after they were born like we had friends drop food over we had a meal train running I think we had like a month and a half worth of food delivered to us from friends and that was so amazing and it was so helpful but there was still like a lot of stuff that was hard. Um, but I'm glad I didn't have to think about food in that period of time because I would have like, yeah, I I think I lost the plot. Um, I was like so, I was so not good. Um, always like trying to think of ways to get out of it. And like, Cam would come home and I'll just be crying there like so spread thin and it's so hard because up until that point I felt so confident with like you know I was so into aware parenting and all of this stuff and like holding space and everything and then when you have two crying babies and like you feel so unsupported and I was like I actually can't 
parent the way I want to and the way I yeah just the way I want to um when I feel this empty and then you feel so much guilt from that and it was like this thought it was so hectic I was so like I was pretty depressed <laughs> um mm, and then sorry to hear um and then I was just like thinking of all these ways to get out of it and like the only way I could see us getting out of it was like firstly not having to pay rent so that Cam had to work so much and then like cutting the overhead the cameras home more and um it was really hard because I'd, I'd get into like a good routine and I'd break the day off into like two portions like We'd go to Warren Diet and we'd do like a big walk and we'd have morning tea, then we'd have lunch, go for a walk. Um, and then I'd put the kids in the car and they'd fall asleep and then we'd get home and then they'd like continue sleeping and then they'd wake up and we'd do like an afternoon thing. But the time the afternoon would hit, I was like so tired and run down. And then like dinner time would come and then I would like, I'd be crying, like calling Cam awake, like, I need you to come home. Um, and so, like, the only way out of it seemed to, like, not to not have, like, overheads to pay for so Cam didn't have to work as much. And then I was like, you know what, let's buy, we were going to buy a bus, but was, they were too expensive. We had to save up heaps of money. We ended up buying a bigger car that we could put things in. We bought a tent. We moved into Cam's parents' house. He still worked for a bit. I think we were there for maybe two months. He worked heaps then so we could save up enough money. Cam's mom was super helpful. She was so amazing. Um, and then we just left. But that was like in November. And Astrid was born in January. So it was like a long period of time that I was like, this is, I just can't do this anymore. It's so hard. Um, yeah now we're here Mm. and how's everything going for you now with that yeah it's good like Cam had to start working again um we're living in a tent we moved into the house two days ago the house on the property is getting renovated but we live with my friend Liam um and he's just so amazing with the kids he's not always at home he's occasionally like traveling or working or whatever but um it's just like I'm constantly talking about how the nuclear family doesn't serve us. It doesn't work. And this like whole system that we're living in, the capitalist system, the patriarchal system, it doesn't serve us. And there's like all these things I've like, under, like I understand now, like when you're depressed, because you're so depleted and you're spread thin and you're the only person caring for two young children who like need you to do everything for them. It's not like my, I'm not broken at all. It's an absolutely normal, totally normal reaction to that situation. <laughs> like you couldn't come, you couldn't do that and not be like depleted and depressed, you know? Um, so it's good to understand that. And then it's like, now we've moved here. We're starting from 
bottom. How can we kind of support us as a family so that we don't like fall back into those things again? Um, yeah, but I'm assuming and hoping that it'll get a bit easier when they're both older and like Asha's breastfeeding still heaps and Coggy's like got heaps of huge emotions to express and so I'm pretty keen to like get back into that space that I was in where I was really into like understanding how to hold space for kids and why they're expressing certain emotions at certain times and I think like the things Cosby has experienced like having an, another sibling sharing his mom and having one who is like not feeling that good he would feel that energy you know so he's probably got a lot of things to like release himself so yeah I'm pretty keen to like you know get back into all of that and hold that space for him while I feel better well I'm sorry that you experienced those times and feelings of depression thank you so much for sharing it with us thank you for holding that space it's just like Mm. it sucks but I also see it as like it was a catalyst for something different yeah 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 oh it's so beautiful you had that outlook thank you Mm. it's no easy feat being a parent (laughs) oh my god not at all (laughs) not at all it's so so challenging yeah (laughs) and so you know we put your life just changes so drastically and you turn from being a completely independent soul to being this whole space for these children yeah massive yeah um yeah I'd love another child but I think like this period of time has been so intense for me that I like could not even imagine for at least you know maybe five years I don't know (laughs) oh totally yes and you're still relatively young so you've got plenty of time absolutely (laughs) and I'd love to delve into you and Cam's relationship so you were together for just three weeks before yeah we weren't even really together we were just like yeah yeah Yeah, having a good time yeah yeah Yeah. and yeah like how's your relationship with him changed since becoming parents huge it's been such a huge change I think that's the thing is, um, you know, if you're with someone for a period of time, for a long period of time, you have that, there's that exciting phase. What is that called? Like the honeymoon phase? Honeymoon, yeah. Yep. So <laughs> yep. I don't know how long that lasts for people, but I'm assuming that's like, you know, quite a little while. So we had, the, you know, three weeks of a honeymoon phase and then I was pregnant and then it was like, wow, this is so exciting, so many cool things happening. There was that and we were like, like, so good throughout that. Cosy was born, you know, we have a new baby, things are so exciting. Um, then I fell pregnant again and things are really exciting. It's like this huge, everything was like a honeymoon phase and then, 
and then after Astrid born was born that was amazing and then we had like another period of time where it was like all good and so exciting and everything was like perfect and then I guess the honeymoon phase ends <laughs> when we're like okay this is our life now there's like no this is real really yeah. exciting <laughs> stuff to, to um to distract us from like us and so it was fun until we and we got here it's still fun but we got here and like we're so isolated we have one friend here we're so isolated we still have the kids we don't have any help with the kids to take them anywhere um we're like 20 minutes to the closest town there's no there's not a lot of like fun activities you can take the kids to here um and so like a few months in when that period ended you know the honeymoon of moving to a new place I guess um we were like holy fuck this is really hard and then we're like of course it's hard we're so this is so raw and so off and there's no distractions here there's absolutely no distractions here so anything you feel um everyone else like knows about you know all our nervous systems are joined and like when there's no one to take the kids then you're just like constantly with the kids um then you start feeling resentful and then you like last out and then you get a little you feel real guilty like oh I'm so sorry I did that. This feel like really um, under resourced right now, and I'm always with you, like 24/7 with you, and 24/7 with the kids. So like that's pretty intense, and it's a weird thing. Like we've wanted to move back to Melbourne a few times, and then we've done like a pros and cons list, and there's so many good things there, so many amazing things. Melbourne is such a hustle. And we've realized that, okay, it is really hard here because we don't have the support and like we're with each other 24-7. But if we're in Melbourne, we would be without each other 24-7 because it's so expensive to live. So it's like the grass is not really greener on either side. And it's really, really, really hard to do both things. So it's like trying to find a little bit more of a balance, I guess. Um, and like working harder to build more of a community here than we have had like no one <laughs> yeah so it's interesting relationships so hard with with kids and then it's like I don't know it's all about communication I think communication having a little bit of space to each other yeah yeah Absolutely. And how about your social life? How's that kind of shifted since you've become a parent and how do you find ways to connect with other parents? Very interesting. I think I was so, well, I was obviously so social before becoming pregnant. I was always out with friends, but it was so different because I had alcohol to like, I don't know, it's like confidence first and foremost and then like, no, I was just like always I don't know and then when you don't drink then how do you like connect with people that took a really long time it was so interesting when you hang out with someone that you only ever like party with 
and you're like, what do we actually have to talk about? And what do we actually know about each other? Um, and I guess also that period of time was a bit weird for the whole world, like all the lockdowns and stuff. So it was a really sweet time for us to kind of like cruise into parenting. And so after Cosmo was born, I had um, my friend Eileen, who she um, had a baby. We were friends, like we hadn't hung out a lot, but we were friends through other friends, you know. And she had a baby and we connected through that. And then we'd go on walks and stuff all the time. And I was like, I really want to start a play group. I didn't know playgroups already existed. I didn't, I like Googled stuff. I didn't know, I didn't, I just couldn't find anything. So I was like, I'm going to make something called Bush Parents and it's going to be like a weekly parent group, playgroup thing where we go for a bush walk. She was like, yeah, that sounds so good. And so I made it on Instagram and shared it. And like so many people came, it was amazing. I made so many friends oh, through beautiful. that. We didn't have that, like, the council um mothers group or anything because of COVID. So that was that. And then our doula Sonny, she um teamed up with this midwife called Romy and they they um have something called Birth Space where they did one once a month parent meetup. And then most of the people who went to Bush Parents went to that too. And there was like this whole group of moms who were never friends pre having kids, but friends because of this. And like, we're all friends now. It's so amazing. Um, so we did that for ages. And I got so much confidence through that. And like, knowing that you can just chat to moms about so much stuff. <laughs> um, but the good thing about that was like, you know, when I meet someone and their mom and I kind of make friends with them, I separate them into two categories. There's mom friends that I have that I would be friends with if we weren't moms, and then mom friends that I have that I'm friends with because we're moms. Because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's so funny, like, yeah. we. I have found so many people who I would have been friends with without having kids, and then there's some people who I love, and then it's just like, we just have babies that's like all we have in common <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah it's funny isn't it yeah and now I'll like go down to the playground or I'll be walking and someone will have a baby and I'll just like start talking to them I would have never ever 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 done that before I'll just talk someone's ear off no worries now um and since moving to this new town we really struggled for ages. It's kind of a strange town. Like there's no real, didn't seem like there's any real like alternative community. It's more like cowboys and like old people. Um, but I, I made like a little flyer and I put them up in town, made an Instagram and then made another little play group here on Tuesday mornings, like a nature play group. And we've met some of the most amazing people here, some like really beautiful families who we love. Um, so that's been good. It's like we'll start to something, something for us. It's so nice. So nice to create that sense of community. Yeah. How did you go like, because we knew each other before having kids. Mm. We had like mutual friends. Yes. And for me, I've still stayed in contact with some friends and like they've been so amazing, like even though they don't have kids and they don't know much about parenting, still showing up 
in a certain way that you're like, I really appreciate this. Have you, how have you experienced that? Similar to you, like I've had some friends that have just been so beautiful and really just like accommodated their lives to around me and around Hazel and around, you know, my new self. But then there's also some people where we're just in such different life stages that there's just this divide that you know you can't really ignore yeah (laughs) and you just (laughs) you just stop seeing them as much and yeah yeah, you know it's it's a shame that I never came along to any of those little bush walk things because I I remember you messaging me about it but I, I don't even know like I think I couldn't make the first few for some reason and I was yeah. around that time you messaged me I was quite like stressed and yeah. I was feeling quite anxious and yeah just kind of putting things off and I was struggling to make new parent friend connections at that time as well so yeah. it's hard it's like in those early days or even in the later days when you're struggling with things you don't really want to go talk to a stranger that you've just met about this stuff you kind of need your old your old friends totally you. yes um, but then it's like sometimes they're not like the most understanding mm, they just can't they can't get it on this on the same level as a parent yeah. does but as you were saying before it's so it's so strange opening up and being so vulnerable mm. with someone that you've just met and the only thing maybe that you have in common is being a parent yeah. <laughs> it's so safe. it just seems like there's like some safe things going on there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, my friend Gaia in Melbourne, she is so amazing. She's um started doing month uh sorry fortnightly mothers circles, which I think would be so good in like early postpartum onwards. And it's just like that whole thing as I was saying before with the rite of passage. It's like that feeling of acknowledgement and understanding and like being seen and heard you don't need like advice all the time you just need that presence and I think like it would be so good to go to the mother's circles like so early on or even later just to create that connection and that that space beautiful so in what ways has becoming a parent influenced your sense of self and how have you navigated any changes or challenges in your identity oh (laughs) Oh my god it has been so like I always had this vision vision before I was pregnant about like how I wanted to live what I wanted to be doing how I wanted to be feeling and like being pregnant was absolutely so affirming of all of those things and like I was always interested in certain stuff, but I think it's given me the space. It's almost like I needed needed it to have like the um what is that word when someone gives you like yeah, you can do that. Uh like validation? Yeah. It was almost like my experience was validating what I wanted to be doing and how I wanted to be doing it. It was, it just gave me, yeah, it was amazing. Um, and I think my mentor for my daughter stuff, Amy Aroha, she's Rip Snorter on Instagram. 
she always says like birth is the microcosm of the macro world and it's like it's so perfect it's so spot on because I always like see things now in the perspective of like birth like you know there's the spaciousness and then there's the contractions and then there's the spaciousness and it's like it's like this natural earthly universal experience where you can like I don't know you can like move through the motions but with everything that you do and it's also taught me heaps of things it's like through birth I learned about um myself more too like I never understood my um cycles I always thought my whole cycle was just when I bled and now I from birth and learning about my body I've now learned about how like every every part of our cycle we have not a different personality but we have different energy and like if we lived in a matriarchal system it's not just like a woman leading it's not the it's not just a woman's version of the patriarchy it's like we'd all be living by our cycle and so like we need deep breaths when we're in when we're bleeding that's our winter phase that's our postpartum phase and then when you're ovulating that's like your summer and that's like you know when you should when we feel like going out and like chatting and like doing things and like we have so much energy and then yeah I've just like learned all this really amazing stuff from birthing and then being a parent which I never would have learned so I think it's like impacted myself as sounds like hugely in the best possible way ever yeah and I feel like you know there's that transition from maiden to mother I really really was a maiden in my maiden phase you know it took me ages to feel like I was a mom um I wrote a poem about it and I think it was like 16 and a half months or something and I feel like a mother now and yeah it's just such a beautiful experience but I think in in that like you need to feel held and you need to feel seen and you need to have people that you can talk to and ask questions about and um, about things you know um our daughter's funny was a huge one for that so I'm pretty grateful for her she's amazing and then then there's like I guess my experience feeling like so depleted and um like unresourceful has like made us understand why the system that we're living in that we always thought was normal is actually really abnormal and not supportive of anyone here <laughs> on the earth and ways to navigate that and then like career changes and like understanding that we can actually be here to really really enjoy things and life and you don't have to do like shit things like working away from your family all the time to pay for bills that's like not you don't you don't really have to choose that but you have to be really creative and you have to like have a vision and it can be hard doing that but yeah I think it's 
been huge. Wow. And what ways has parenthood, you know, affected your personal and professional life as well? Parenting has really affected my, not affected, but it's changed my professional life hugely. Like, um, I studied fine art and then when I graduated that, I was working at a special school just as a teacher's assistant, which I wasn't super passionate about, but I thought like, I'll just work a little while, I'll save up enough money and then I'll do my postgrad in art. And then I just like got stuck in the like cycle of making some money and not doing any art. And then I fell pregnant and like, I never really wanted to go back to that job. I was just doing that job to get by. And then I got so obsessed with the, I just like constantly listening to podcasts way after Cozy was born, like birth podcasts like always reading about birth stuff, always thinking about birth stuff, reading birth books. I wasn't even preparing to give birth again, <laughs> reading birth books. And I had said like, oh, it'd be so cool to be a doula, but for some reason I just didn't want to do it. And I didn't make that leap. Maybe it didn't seem like I could do it or something. Like maybe it needed a particular person. I don't know. Um, and then I birthed Astrid and I was just like, I'm so hooked on this. I need to like, what am I meant to do with all this passion that I have? I'm like obsessed with this thing and I have no, like I can't keep talking to my friends about this. <laughs> I need it to go further. So then, yeah, I started a, a, a doula course online and then I've kind of come to realise I started another one through Pam England, Birthing with, from Within. She's amazing. I've kind of realized that I can merge like the way I use art, which is using art to reflect and explore my experiences. Um, and then, you know, how like trying to figure out how I can do that with moms that I work with. I ran a circle last year called Artists as Mother in Melbourne and it was so amazing. It went for five weeks. And every week we did like these little tasks that I um had set up and we had like a circle where we would talk and it was just so perfect to have really good feedback from that and it's just yeah, figuring out how to merge those two things together, like holding space for mom, holding space for birth, and also using art as a tool to do those things. Mm, oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, and so where to from here? Are you planning to get into doing some doula work, more circles? What's yeah, it's it's kind of difficult here, but it's also difficult in Melbourne. If we went back, like it seems like there's so many doulas in Melbourne. It's like saturated with doulas. Even though I think it would be impactful if everyone had access to a doula but then there's that inaccessibility um thing too but yeah I don't know like I know there's a home birthing midwife in this area and I'm pretty passionate about home birth um that's not to say that I wouldn't support someone birthing in the hospital system I'd be keen for both 
Um, but it's just like finding people, like where do I find the pregnant people? How do I, do I, I don't know if I'm always meant to go out of my way to find them. I almost feel like they need to find you. I, yeah, I don't know. That's probably going to be the most difficult thing. It's like the business thing that I was talking about earlier. I, I feel like I'm pretty equipped with lots of parts of like supporting people, but then it's the business part that I don't really know how to, yeah and you're planning to stay in yuki for a while yeah we're not really we don't really have long-term plans but we are enjoying it at this current moment so we'll see what happens see where it takes us yeah yeah Yeah. and if you could give some advice to your new parent self what would you say i would there's so many things (laughs) there's so many things that I think also one of the most important things is like there's so much medicine in everything Um, but just like trust trust yourself because you got this Mm. (laughs) yeah I don't know and maybe organise some like real staunch postpartum support mm, huge one <laughs> yeah <laughs> we spend so much time prepping for birth it's such a big thing during pregnancy that I feel yeah. like postpartum is wildly overlooked yeah and I think it's also like I don't know my mom doesn't really seem to have heaps of like reverence for that period of time it's like what generations do what influence people to not like have reverence for the postpartum and a postpartum mother there's so many things there that we could dive into um but i think it's probably yeah definitely a cultural and social thing that we don't really understand the complexity or the the hugeness around postpartum and like mm-hmm. the like the balance that culture on like, ridiculous yeah that's not good no that's not good at all so damaging <laughs> so yeah. damaging yeah so damaging yeah have you navigated that bounce back culture yourself I definitely didn't like think that was very good ever you know I think um the little bits of postpartum that I did learn about when I was pregnant was like there's that book the first 40 days um that talks a lot about traditional Chinese medicine principles for postpartum um and it was all about you know like staying horizontal to help your pelvic floor um eating warm nourishing foods you know so many different little things and I made it postpartum care was very similar in a way that they care for a postpartum mom just like taking little bits of information here and there and like one of one of the first things our midwife Sam said to us when Cosmo was born was like be horizontal for at least two weeks and then your pelvic floor will heal itself and I was just like okay <laughs> didn't question it I was like that's what I'm going to do and in bed for ages like more than just two weeks it was just so crazy and she was like 
going for small walks around the yard and like sitting outside and everything, but not doing anything crazy. It was probably also like the beauty of COVID kind of nourished us in that way. Like you can't do anything. You don't even think about it. Yeah, I think it's like, it's really beautiful and helpful for me to understand about all the cultures, special things and how they, you know, how they support certain life transitions because our culture doesn't have anything like that. So it's, it's nice to learn through other cultures, like reading books and everything. Mm, yeah, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, so our final question now, what has surprised you the most about parenthood and has becoming a parent changed any of your preconceived notions or beliefs about parenting? (laughs) Oh, my God, this is so good. (laughs) So prior to to having babies, probably when I was still pregnant, I don't know, I was just like, well, my baby is going to be so chill. (laughs) So chill. Mm -hmm. I was pretty relaxed before having a baby I mean I was pretty relaxed with one baby too but now I'm like it's like chaos <laughs> and yeah for some reason I was like you know if you're chill the baby will be chill but like I think to some extent that is true because they borrow off our nervous system and there's like you know you can sense if someone is feeling stressed or off or angry or whatever you can like sense that without them saying anything and our children can do that too so in a way like yeah if you're chill maybe that's true but there's just like all these unexpected things that kids do and you're like whoa oh my god (laughs) that's just like so just like things I imagine I'd be doing I thought I had heaps of energy I'd be doing like all this craft stuff and like cooking with them just like sitting there or cooking like they were just for some reason just like sitting there watching me <laughs> not tearing the house apart <laughs> yeah. oh my god this morning Cosmo um he was helping me cook his porridge and he was stirring it and he just like knocked the whole saucepan off the stovetop and there's like wet porridge all over the floor he was crying. He was like, I don't want to eat it. I was like, you can't eat it. It's dirty. And then he was like, I want more porridge. And I was like, that was the last oh, of the oat. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my uh, gosh. just like little things, you know, like little chaotic moments that you'd never can imagine that, like, that you'll be in that situation. And it just really throws you off. Mm-hmm. And then I also, I was, I always thought I was really chill and relaxed. And then having two kids, I got so angry, like, especially to Karen, just like so angry, like so resentful, like, why do I have to do this all the time? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I guess it's, yeah, it's so hard when, <laughs> as you say, parenting can be so depleting of our mental physical emotional selves so I completely can resonate with how it how it brings out that irritability that you didn't know was in there (laughs) yeah absolutely Mm. yeah it's pretty crazy Mm. um and then I think like 
I had always, always bottled up things, like emotions, especially big ones. And then, like, because I've learned to do that since a young age from, like, so many different things, then I still do that now, but I can feel it inside my body building up. And I'm like, oh, this is bad. This is really bad. But then you like, I don't know how to always like help myself in the best way. And then I'll just like explode. And I'm like, oh, I feel so good about that. Like exploding, like releasing all of that tension and all of that energy and all of that anger. But I did it in like a really, really bad way. So yeah, it's like, it makes you look at look at everything, reflect on everything. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, Taylor, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today and for sharing your beautiful story with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was so nice. So nice to see your face too, even though it's on the internet. I know. (laughs) We'll have to catch up next time you're down here. Melbourne. Yeah, Yeah. I'd love that. Um, Thank you so much for sharing people's stories and giving them space to talk about things and then spreading the words, all the words. (laughs) Mm. Thank you, lovely. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Sharing our stories is such a meaningful way to connect with ourselves and others, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Follow us on Instagram at definitelybabypodcast for photos of our weekly guests, updates, or to share your own story. I'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe, rate the podcast, or share with a friend. It really helps us to grow and help other parents feel more supported by these beautiful stories. I'll see you next week for another lovely episode.